1: Everyone, you are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri State Cadillac Dealers. I am Jordan Hall, and as usual, I am joined by the awesome Brooke Destra. Brooke, we have a special guest for today's episode.
2: Yes, we do. Um, What better way to talk about some Flyers hockey than with the ever so wonderful Taryn Hatcher? Taryn, what's up, girlfriend?
0: Hi, Brooke. What a good introduction. Thank you, friend. That's so nice of you to say. How are we doing?
1: Good. How are you? We've we, we missed talking to you. We know you miss Flyers hockey, but uh, how is the offseason going for you?
0: It's good. You know, it's really interesting to see. I was listening to another hockey podcast like a, a day ago that's like a league wide one, and they were talking about how. No one really knows how long this off is going to be because then I'm sure we're going to get to this, but the final Stanley cup, final game could be tonight. And then it's TBD after that. So um, it's kind of wild because it, it there's just, it's like the wild West. You have no idea what's going to happen. You have no idea what's out there. So, but it's been good. Obviously some, uh, some defensive news came out just a little while ago here. So there's still plenty of, to keep track of right now but i do miss
1: flyers hockey i really do absolutely i know flyers fans miss seeing you on the broadcast and hopefully we we have that soon um like karen like you said some, some news from the flyers today uh robert Hag, restricted free agent signed a new deal uh the the deal is two years 3.2 million uh has an average annual value of 1.6 million so a nice honest modest raise for robert Hag and um, there was no doubt he would be back. He was restricted. so. Uh, but now uh, another deal off the, off the plate for Chuck Fletcher, but some more deals to come. Uh, Taryn, let's start with you, just your initial thoughts on the deal and, and just what Robert Haig was able to do this season for the team.
0: Robert Haig, and I've said this before, is always kind of – and not to everybody, he's not viewed this way, but to me, he's, he's like a sneaky, very nice player to have. You know, he's like solid, embodied. He is just solid, embodied. And I think, you know, especially when you talk to Mike Yo, they really like what he brings to the table. He's a guy that you could stick on, like, a third defensive pair with pretty much anybody, and you know you're going to get a lot of physicality out of him. You know, he's a max effort guy, too. He's not the quickest guy in the world. He's not the guy who's going to, you know, put the puck on a rope and shoot from the blue line on the power play. That's not him, but he's – He's just a nice piece to have. And I think he actually – he can slide in there pretty well with anybody because, again, he's like – he's a guy who finishes every check and he tries to, you know, keep himself responsible to his assignments. And that's a nice player to have because you know what you're going to get out of them. I also think that for Chuck and in talking to Chuck um, during the pause, I know one of his approaches to this whole – pause, postseason, and then now potentially off-season situation is that he just wants to take care of whatever he can because you don't know the things that you're not going to be able to control just yet. And so this was a really nice thing to kind of check off the to-do list.
1: Yeah, Robert Haig was arbitration eligible, so it's possible that could have gone, you know, a lot longer into the off offseason. Uh, nice that they got it out of the way. Like you said, Taryn, they have a few more restricted free agents from Philip Myers and Dolan Patrick. Uh, that we've discussed about but Brooke uh, with Haig, where do you think he fits in the defensive picture moving forward we knew what he was this offseason he was kind of a seventh defenseman that really worked his way into the lineup and then stuck in it but they're getting deeper at the position and they have a ton of guys um, that are coming up so uh, where do you think he kind of fits in moving forward
2: Definitely think he's in an interesting situation right now because just because he did just sign an extension with the Flyers, re-signed with them, I don't think he's safe by any means because, like you said, we have so many up-and-coming prospects. He's going to have to work equally as hard as he did last season to maintain the position that he has now. And I don't think that that's going to be difficult for him because, like Taryn had mentioned, he is such a – a hard-working player, but I like Robert Hegg because of the fact that when you know he's doing everything right, he kind of disappears on the ice. And that's... I think that's why I like him so much because if he goes the... If he's completely falling apart, obviously every player has games like that. You know. You know it falls on Hag. It's, you know, tales as old as time, but when he is... On top of his game, he is sly, and he's really invisible on the ice. And I think that that's really beneficial for the Flyers. Um, I think he'll be really great in the third pair next season if he earns it, I think he will. Um, And I just overall really like the energy that he does bring to the team. I never not crack a smile when I see him, you know, scrumming it up with other guys on other teams, and he's got a huge smile on his face. And I think that that alone tells a lot about the character that he is as a player and a person. So yeah, I just think he brings really great energy and I, I do see him maintaining a spot on the roster moving forward.
1: Yeah. He very much is an underrated defenseman uh, for the flyers. A guy that, like you said, doesn't do really the glamorous things, put up the points, but teammates really respect him for doing those little things like blocking a shot. Um, you know, standing up for teammates and he was really effective since right around Christmas to the end of the regular season. I thought he was one of the the team's better defensemen. Um, and like you said, he will be in the picture. Uh, like always he will be competing for his role, trying to stick in the, in the picture. I think he could be a guy actually that, uh, I wonder if the flyers will protect him come the expansion draft. Um, he will be a defenseman with kind of an attractive salary that, um, and with the, with how deep the Flyers are at the position, maybe they don't protect Robert Hag. Because, quite frankly, they're going to have to protect other guys too. Um, but you know, we're not there yet. We'll we'll let that uh, be a discussion for a later day. But Taryn kind of tying to Robert Hag, uh, Shane Gossisper is a guy that's very much in the picture, under contract with a very team friendly contract. Um, and Pierre LeBron of the Athletic had a report out there that um fair is available for 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 trade uh we really should not be surprised at that he has been available for his trade to be honest um Chuck Fletcher even said when he took over as GM that no one was really um untouchable other than maybe Claude Drew because well he has a no movement clause um so no surprise there but um Robert Hagan, Gossespierre are two guys that kind of were battling for a spot come playoff time um where do you think Goss' fair stands within the organization going into next season? And do you think he, you know, is a trade chip, And why do you think he is?
0: Well, I definitely think he's a trade chip in part because you mentioned he's got that team-friendly contract. And we've seen this – and this is kind of a theme with the Flyers' defense, at least I felt this season – He's a guy who has shown that his ceiling is really high. But as of late, we've also seen that his floor can be quite low. And the Flyers have already – you know, when you talk to people about Phil Myers, they love Phil Myers and what he can bring to the table. But he's one of those guys where you go, his ceiling's high, but his mistakes sometimes are very large as well. We saw Travis Sanheim kind of struggle with that in the playoffs as well. So – they kind of have a few of those guys where they're trying to lock up their issues because what they're capable of is phenomenal. The issue with Shane Gosper is, is that that high ceiling that, you know, obviously we'd like to call back to all the time was a few seasons ago. It's, it's not this streak of games and a bad streak of games and, you know, and we saw him find his footing a little bit. And I know it's really tough with the knee stuff. I really don't think all the 2018 2019 season i don't think he was okay at all like i think that's and we're starting to see that now um and i i personally the vibe i get from the people in the organization that i talk to and when you talk to elaine I'm like, yo really candidly but the, like they all want to see him do what he's capable of because he's very well liked in that dressing room and he obviously is a player that has a lot of gifts and a lot of ability that he seemed to kind of lose track of. And I do think Shane said this a lot. The issue is primarily mental to him at this point, now that both knees are cleaned out. Um, but I do think if you find the right coach who believes that, hey, this is a guy that we think and put it together and maybe he's a you know, he's a big change of scenery might do the trick for him is the thought process with a lot of people. And if that's the case you might be able to get a really nice piece for him. That being said, if if Shane pans out and and, you know mentally everything gets kind of checked back together, um he's still a really nice piece to have. I know everybody keeps waiting and you're like, "He's he's gonna turn the corner, he's gonna turn the corner, he's gonna turn the corner And then you see flashes and you think here it is. And then it's not like, that's kind of been his story the last two years. Um, But he did, I mean, he needed two knee surgeries this season alone and and he got both of them done. So maybe the hope is he's got two clean knees and now he can get going. But if not, I I mean, he's the perfect guy to say team-friendly salary, super high ceiling would benefit from change of scenery, but I want a good piece for him. So there's, there's there's that advantage too if you're Chuck and you're looking to move but realistically speaking and jordan brooke you know this chuck is on that phone 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days out of the year chuck is always on the phone he's always talking about everyone and like you said if anybody's willing to say you know what I i gotta evaluate things it's chuck so we'll see i mean. Again, it's it's a very TBD time in the world, and Shane is a very TBD situation right now. It's interesting, though, to hear that, like, we, as I feel like as a fan base, talk about Shane trade rumors. Now it feels like you're getting insiders talking about Shane trade rumors with a lot of legitimacy. So that's new. That hasn't always been there. I think people have thought that's been there. It's not. That's been, like, a projection I think, more than a reality. Now it feels like it's a bit more of a reality.
1: Yeah, I can see it coming more to the focus, um, you know, during this offseason because, um, and let's be honest, we've talked about Shane Goss' spare as a trade chip ad nauseum on this podcast. And like you said, Taryn, we know why. Um, 27-year-old elusive puck-moving defenseman with offensive upside um, and and a track record of some offensive uh, production, um, and then his contract—he's under contract for the next three years uh, at four point five million. So that's very attractive to teams. Um, and that whole chain of ce- change of scenery—that's that, a—I think that's a deep belief um, in front offices across the league. They believe sometimes, hey, if we give this guy, you know, a new situation, um, he could turn back to the player that he was. And there's a lot to like about Shane Gossespar and his outlook moving forward. Um, like you said, healthy, good contract, and good ability. Um, Brooke, do you think and believe that a change of scenery could be a really good thing for Shane Gossespierre? At this point, we kind of know where he stands within the organization. Um, Like Taryn said, there's those flashes of him returning to his old self. But quite frankly, the Flyers have Igor Zamula turning pro who they're super high on. Um, They're very young at the position already with offensive-minded guys. Cam York, good chance he's turning pro after his sophomore season this year at Michigan. Um, they have guys at the position, you might as well maybe cash in on this trade chip before, you know, maybe it's too late. But do you think a change of scenery could do wonders for Shane Gostaspear?
2: I think Gostaspear is a really interesting case as a player um, because I feel like he's really struggling lately finding his identity on the ice and that plays in part with the whole mental aspect that Taryn had touched on. But, you know, when you're struggling to figure out while you're a defenseman people know that he has the the caliber to contribute offensively as well so when he's struggling to maintain both sides of that or either side of it if i'm being honest it becomes this give and take and pull with himself internally and i think that that has been a huge struggle coming to light this season because of how solid the blue line really was from the beginning of the year and he almost it almost kind of seems like he's on the outside looking in when it's when you're looking at these defensive pairs he always seemed like the odd ball out and going into the year you thought it was robert Haig. it's clear that they are really well kept and want to keep him because they just signed tag um so i do think a change of scenery might be good for gosh Bear. and i've made it well known on this podcast as well i love him as a player The players love him as a person, and he's just an all-around, really well-liked player in Philly. It's a shame, though, that I don't think he's going to be able to excel in this city the way that we all hoped he had three seasons prior. But, you know, he does have a cap-friendly contract, but the thing is, when you're paying him four and a half million a year for being subpar at best, That's taking away from other opportunities, signing new people that could only continue elevating this game. So it's cap-friendly in the sense of other teams may like him, but it's also, if he's moved, it's going to open up more opportunities in the cap. So it's a shame. I like Goss' bear, but I I don't think he'll find that success in Philly now, which is a shame, but, you know... Not every player is meant to work out in every city.
0: The other thing that's tough with Shane that someone mentioned to me one time that I found interesting because I don't think it's, it's necessarily talked about enough in terms of why I personally think mentally he's in such a tough situation is that when you're struggling, right, like when Claude Giroux was going through a gold drought or, you know, whatever, when Carter Hart has bad game, et cetera, et cetera, they tell you, just go back to the basics. Just keep it simple, go back to your game, go back to the basics, yada, yada. The thing with Shane is the, the part of his game that was dynamic was the offensive part of him as a defenseman. So when you go back to keep it simple, do this, do that, well, that's not Shane's version of being a defenseman. He can't just play the defensive side of being a defenseman and be worth that $4.5 million that we talk about. And that's mentally hard to, I think, digest is, you know, if you're just trying to keep your assignments, if you're trying to not be a liability, which as a defenseman, you know, that's what Robert Higgs game is all about. He's there to not be a liability. Like you said, when he's playing well, you don't notice him. That's the point. Like, it's just to not be a liability. And for Shane, when you do that and you say, just do this half of your skill set, so you can mentally get solid again. Well, then you're really putting a stopper in his game, and the best part is above the stopper in the eyes of most people. And that's tough because you don't just go back to basics. You're going back to basics for Shane is jumping in and being part of the offense, you know, and that's not the basics of being a defenseman, and we're trying to rebuild from your foundation. That's a tough place to be in. Um, so it'll be interesting, and that's where you do think, like, Maybe the mentality of it is you take him somewhere else where he goes into practice and he's dynamic in practice against new guys, against new players who don't practice against him every day and his confidence builds day by day. And then in games, like maybe that is the key. Um, maybe it is just health. But that was something that I, I always found was interesting when someone said, when, when most players struggle, you tell them, keep it simple, go back to basics. And when it comes to Shane Goss' despair, that's, that's a hard thing to put emphasis on because the part of his game that really makes him stand out, makes him dynamic, that gives you that moxie, that confidence is not the simple basics of the game. It is a very kind of unique plane in his game as a defender. So it's tough. It's a tough spot.
1: It is. And uh, like you said, Taryn, you know, he has the career year in 2017-18, 65 points, and he's that dynamic – push the envelope defenseman that that you want. Like, those are his strengths. But then 2018-19 has a rough season, uh, as the entire team did. And then this year, just marred by injury. Um, And then he loses his role. And like you said, when he gets in there, everyone's putting on this pressure of, like, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Just don't screw up. Be yourself. But, like, no, like, him being himself is pushing the envelope, creating plays, making offense, um, taking offensive risks. Uh, And it's tough to do that when you're fighting that whole balance of like, keep it simple or no, be myself. And that's when you wonder, yeah, maybe a change of scenery. uh, I could just do him wonders because maybe he goes somewhere. um, He's not a third pair defenseman. He's maybe higher up in the team's lineup and they're saying, Hey, we want you to be that guy that, you know, was 2017, 18. So time will tell, but visit your Philadelphia area Cadillac dealer today and experience the ultimate in iconic luxury. We're still talking about this season, so before we even get into the whole Shane Goss' fair or before that, you know, trades and and all that type of stuff could really truly evolve and heat up, uh, we still have this season to finish. Game six for the Stanley Cup between the Stars and Lightning. The Lightning lead the series 3-2. It should be a fun one. Brooke Destra, who are you liking in game six, uh, and have you enjoyed this cup personally?
2: I... I mean, how can you not enjoy watching the Tampa Bay Lightning? They are just such a complete team that (laughs) when you're on the outside looking in, when you're so um, well-knit on the Flyers and their structure and seeing a team that is just – and not knocking the Flyers, but just more crediting to the Lightning, they are so fast and dynamic and – just when you think you've caught up to them when you've just when you think that you've been able to figure out their system, it changes. And it's just, it kind of leaves you like wanting more, but I hope that there isn't more after tonight. If I'm being honest, I think that this, if the lightning have a chance to win the cup with their core, it has to be this year because I'm only going to give it a few more years before they really do fall apart. Um, I'm really happy that Stamkos had the chance to come back in for one game. It's a shame that he really only played for a handful of minutes, but it did score. And I think that his team is really hoping that they can not only win it for him, but for the city. And I think, yeah, Tampa Bay is going to take it tonight. But, man, Dallas has been so much fun to watch, too. Because what an underdog. Nobody really expected them to really beat Vegas or even make it to the final. But it's been a really exciting cup all around. But it's, it's not Vegas' year. Obviously, it's not Vegas' year. It's Tampa Bay's year. And, yeah, they're going to celebrate. They are, they are going to celebrate.
1: Um, I like it. I like it. Game, as, uh, for fans that are wondering, game six, um, is tonight, Monday, at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. And if the series is forced to a Game 7, that is Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time, also on NBC. Taryn, uh, what have you liked about this Stanley Cup? Um, we saw the Flyers actually beat this Lightning team uh, early on in the year in the round robin. Here the Lightning are a win away from, from hoisting it. Um, who do you like in Game 6, and what are you just what have you liked about the Cup in general?
0: I honestly... Would love for Dallas to win tonight. Mm -hmm. Not because – Tampa's. listen, Tampa to me has been the best team in the league like all year. Better than – I know Boston was like on an absolute tear for a long time. Tampa's been the best team in the league to me all year. And this Flyers team, I'm sure I'm biased in this way, but the Flyers were very good, especially in the second half of the season, against the best teams in the league. Eastern Conference, Western Conference didn't really matter. If you were a good team, the Flyers were a team that – just played up to their competition constantly this year. And Tampa was the one team that they – I mean, they still played up, but you just watched Tampa and you were like, oh, my gosh. Like, if it's not this guy contributing, it's that guy. And it's like Brooke said, you think you figure it out, and then they change. And it's like just this unbeatable monster of a team. Um, So I love – like, I think Tampa deserves it, especially – I kind of love the saga of last year and them – winning the President's Cup and then getting booted in the first round and then them coming back and getting a little bit of vengeance. But I don't know when hockey's coming back, so I'd love a game seven. I'd love to for there to be a game seven plus. I don't have to do the news tonight, and every single night I've done the news, they've gone to overtime. So I would love an overtime. I'd love more hockey. <laughs> but, like, I was up to, like, 1.30 the other night because they went to double overtime, and that Ooh. was super, super, like, <laughs> just – I don't even – what word am I looking for? Bogus. Yeah, it was, like, mega bogus. But, uh, yeah, it kind of sucked. But it was great. And it – I love this series. And I love that Dallas is this good. Like, I feel like Dallas – especially when – it seems like it was forever ago. But remember the story? It was last year in, like, like, January or whatever, where it's, like, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, and they're getting called out and all this stuff and team's hot best. And then to see them, you know, their stars kind of realize their potential, no pun intended. And I think people were looking at Vegas and people were kind of also looking at like the abs as like the up and coming team and, you know, whatever. Nobody was really sitting there looking at the stars like this could be the team that goes to the final. Um, and credit to them. they I mean, they bat, it, it seems to me that in most games, they look like they're on the penalty kill for the majority of the game. And they still find a way to battle and to force overtimes and to force to game six, you know, and that's a testament to just like being there and wanting to compete, which is part of what I've loved about this postseason. is that it could have been real easy for a lot of teams to roll over and just say, you know, pet my belly, I'm out. But like, that's not been the case with these teams that really feel like they could have won it with the exception, I would say, sadly of, of the Flyers were not the team that they were in the regular season. But, like, Dallas came to battle. Tampa came to battle. The Islanders obviously came to battle. Like, and that's been really great because I, it wasn't so long ago that we were all sitting there going, how are they going to do this? Like, how are they going to pull this off at all? And then now it, it's just – I mean, it's truly it's astounding that they pulled off what they pulled off, that this league, the NBA – but I've heard plenty of people who are just, like, hockey's their for sport. They're pretty casual hockey fans that have said, like, I've turned off the football game to turn on the hockey game in the Stanley Cup Final this year. And that's a huge testament to what the NHL has done. I mean, because I don't hear that about certain other leagues. No offense to them. I just think <laughs> the product that's being put out has been really good this year. So – I don't know, I just, the only thing that I would change about this postseason would honestly be the Flyers run through it because, I mean, granted everything that's going on, but I do think the Flyers deserved a better ending than they had. But beyond that, it's been astounding. It's been really great. I've enjoyed it. And I also have been enjoying it because I kind of just get to watch, like as a fan.
1: Yeah. Nice too. I kind look- of Tara, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I kind of wanted to ask both of you guys, and I'll start with Brooke. Just, I, I see some people, you know, saying, like, some fans are like, man, Tampa Bay would absolutely destroy this Flyers team. Flyers wouldn't have a chance. Um, I also kind of find it fun to see how the Flyers would stack up with Dallas. Uh, what do you guys think? Brooke, do you think the Flyers could kind of go toe-to-toe with this Lightning team? As we know, the Flyers went to seven games with the Islanders, lost in game seven with that 4 nothing thud. And then the Islanders played the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Final. That series went to six games. Islanders game, a pretty good fight. Uh, the Lightning needed overtime in game six to finally finish them off. Um, how close do you think the Flyers are to the Lightning and that true kind of contender status?
2: I think it's really hard to compare them directly just because, like I had mentioned before, they're such differently structured teams for many regards so I think if the Flyers did make it to the Eastern Conference Final and played Tampa Bay I think we would have finally seen the Flyers that we saw when the season stopped in March because nobody really deemed the Canadians a threat they were like oh it's the 12th seed Flyers are going to steamroll them nobody really expected the Islanders to be as structurally sound as they were in the playoffs as well and I think that Not that the Flyers were culprits of playing down to their competition, but also that's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) So I feel like if they were able to play Tampa Bay, we would have been able to hopefully see why the Flyers finished in the round Robin in the top seed, why they made it past the first round of the playoffs for the first time in eight seasons. I think that would have really started to all come together once they made it to the finals. It really sucks that they went out on such a crappy note in game seven versus the Islanders. And it always kind of makes you wonder that stupid what if that sits in the back of your head of what would have happened if they came back, if they won game seven. Because also I, I think it would have been a really interesting dynamic to see them play against Dallas because it's a team that they don't really see as often. And I mean, it's, they'd be playing for the cup. So (laughs) you just, there, there are so many elements that leave you wondering, you know, what if, what if, which stinks, but there's always next season. So I do think that they probably would have put up a pretty decent fight against the Lightning because we already saw that they could do that in the round robin. But what do you think, Taryn? You know, we'll never
0: know. Like Brooke said, there's a big question mark. The only thing that I would say, the regular season Flyers, the regular season Flyers, I think would have put up a great fight against Tampa. I think they possibly could have beaten Tampa. I think it probably would have taken seven games to get it done. But I do think When you saw the Flyers at their best and they were playing the Tampas and the Blues and the Bruins and, you know, and the Caps, and especially that one week, like that one week where I think we all opened our eyes and were like, this team has potential. Um, I think it was like the second week of January. It was like January 11th. Um, And you were like, wow, this, this team could do this against anybody. And they have the will to do it. Like they have the fight in them to do it. it. The games that they lost against the very good teams. A lot of times it was the Tampa, there was the Tampa Bay lightning or like the Islanders and the Islanders just play a brand of hockey that the flyers have not matched up well with for the past two seasons. Um, And with Tampa, it was they just have so many weapons that at some point they would get a good bounce, which that's the game of hockey. So, you know, not taking anything away from them. But I do think the Flyers of the regular season could have beaten them in seven. I would have loved to see the Flyers of the regular season matched up against Dallas. Like Brooke said, it's not a team they would have seen a lot. I don't think they would have had that kind of mental exhaustion of the Flyers have played the same – in my opinion – they played the same game against the Islanders for two seasons. Like that frustration, 100%. we just can't break through. We just can't break through. It's like, what? it's the same bad dream over and over again. And that's the style the Islanders play. It's, it's why they got to the Eastern Conference final this year. But I think with Tampa even and with Dallas, there's not that mental fatigue of playing that team so much and that style of team so much. Um, but the team that we saw in the postseason – I don't know because I don't even. I know they were successful in the round robin, but at times the, the contributors seemed like the island of misfit toys. So you were like, why is this coming from this person, and why is this person not contributing? And you know, I know they would take it, and depth has been their strength all season, and that's wonderful. But you know, it's nothing new. I'm sure you guys have discussed it at nauseum as everyone who covers and watches Flyers have. At some, you can't get through an entire round robin. That entire series against Montreal and that entire series against the Islanders and think like, oh, my best players are starting to ramp up. That that's not gonna work. Because if you hit a wall with the Islanders, you're gonna hit a mountain when you hit the lightning. I mean, shoot. So, but that was the thing was in the regular season. Kevin Hayes was contributing on the regular. So was Travis Konechny and you would get these nice little goals from Claude Giroux and he got like a burst of competitiveness and firiness and it fired everybody else up. And, you know, Jake's game was really coming together nicely and he was complimenting everybody. And even, even Sean Couturier didn't quite look like himself in the postseason. So I, I don't know that the postseason version of this team would have fared particularly well, but you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. I think the regular season flyers, no pause, no nothing. I I would have loved to see the run that team went on because even the guys acknowledged it. They were like, we don't know what happened in the bubble. Like we don't know what happened to our team. They they still, I mean, like Brooke said, first time in eight years, they advanced out of the first round not playing their game at all. So that's a great sign to, to build off of. It's something to build hope off of, but I don't know that that team, unless there was a real look in the mirror, come to Jesus moment, I don't know that they – I would have been a little scared to see them against Tampa, to be honest with you, because Tampa's just like a well-oiled machine. Like, it's frightening. It is a frightening machine to be up against. I don't know uh, – yeah, it's like they're like a little Thanosy. You're like, how are you going to beat Thanos? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs>
1: And they're, and, they're, and they're a motivated machine, too, nonetheless. Not only are they loaded with skill. And... Hedman
0: frightens me. Frightens me. Yeah, I mean, so... Can you imagine playing against Victor Hedman? know, he yeah. It's terrifying. He's so large and like just like dead in the eyes sometimes. And you're just like, this man's going to destroy me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and nonetheless, they also have Vasilevsky in net, so that's not too bad either. So, yeah, they, um, they would have been a really tough matchup, no doubt about it. Uh, But we'll see where the Flyers go in the offseason. And it's so funny, we mentioned the Flyers of the regular season because they were on such a promising run um, where it looked like no one was going to stop them from even winning the division and maybe um, becoming, you know, one of the top Eastern Conference teams Then the Pauls happens. Kind of touching on the regular season, uh, before we get into our last topic, um, Chris Stewart played for the Flyers during the regular season. And it just seems like it was so long ago uh, because of the – because of the stoppage, but very cool news uh, today. Chris Stewart, who just recently re- retired, um, was hired by the Flyers as a player-developing coach. Uh, great for Chris Stewart. Taryn is clapping right now. Great so, for the Flyers.
0: Uh, it's, it's better for the Flyers than it is for Chris Stewart. I will tell you that without a shadow of a doubt. That is a great move for the Flyers. So, sorry, Jordan, keep going. I interrupted you.
1: No, 100%. Uh, I think it's great. I, I, love, I love it for Chris Stewart, because I think he worked his butt off to get back into the NHL. Um, and I was really happy to see him actually be able to do that, accomplish that with the Flyers um, during this, this regular season. And then, boom, uh, he's happy, ready for retirement, but goes right into um, his next phase of his hockey career. Um, good for him. And like you said, Taryn, great for the Flyers, too, because that's a guy that um, really made a career for, him, for himself, played for a lot of teams, was productive, knows the NHL grind, knows what it takes to be successful, knows what it's like to overcome adversity. Um, I just think he's going to be great for young players. And we saw him really have an impact on Nolan Patrick. Um, When Nolan Patrick was going through the early parts of uh, the season with his migraine disorder, as he was out and kind of getting in those skates with the extras, Chris Chris Stewart was there, a veteran guy that was there for Nolan Patrick, helping him through the day-to-days of uh, being out and kind of going through adversity in your career. And he became a really close friend of Nolan Patrick, a guy that was there for him. Um, I thought that was really cool. And I think it gave us a glimpse of what we could see Chris Stewart do with young players that are developing and ready for the NHL grind. Brooke, what did you think of the hire, um, uh, the Flyers hire of Chris Stewart?
2: I mean, you can't say enough good things about the decision. Um, The way that you touched on the relationship that he had with Nolan Patrick, I think is really important. I'm going to kind of piggyback off of that because while we did see them, you know, skating together and cultivating a really great relationship while Patrick was not playing this year, there was so much that nobody saw behind the scenes. There's so much that media doesn't see. There's so much that fans do not see. And I think that plays a huge part into the kind of person that Stewart is. I think that that is going to carry over into this position and he's going to excel in it for those reasons to be able to cultivate those kind of relationships with these with these younger up and coming players and i just I really look forward to seeing what he does because you just feel like everyone has such a mutual respect for him as a player and as a person and yeah, like Taryn said, the Flyers, the Flyers knew what they were doing with this one. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he kind of brings to the table with this title.
1: Yeah, Brooke, you, like you said, the, the respect there is so across the board from his teammates, from the um, folks uh, in the front office. Um, he obviously has ties to Chuck Fletcher back in their days with the Wild. Uh, I know Chuck Fletcher um, is uh, very high on Chris Stewart as a person and obviously as a hockey person as well in terms of developing young players uh Taryn what did you think of the move and why do you think um it's going to be so good for the Flyers
0: I will tell this Chris Stewart story first of all I'll tell you this I would challenge somebody to find anyone who has something negative to say about Chris Stewart but personally I don't want to hear anything negative about Chris Stewart and I don't think anybody really has anything to say negative about him but I remember at media day this past year they brought Chris Stewart in and you know we were asking a bunch of questions of him and he, he had faced some obstacles and adversity and was kind of out of, this was his year that he was trying to like get one last go at it, get back Just, and he was like, I'm, I, you know, I just, I couldn't get up, forgive myself if I didn't try one more time. Um, and Chuck Fletcher and not every GM, I mean, Chuck Fletcher is a phenomenal GM and Chris Stewart's a phenomenal player. So it's a phenomenal combination of people, but like Chuck Fletcher really advocated for him and wanted to give him this opportunity. And that's not for nothing. It's because of who Chris is and what he brings to a team that is so, so valuable beyond what you can really articulate. And when he was talking about it, most guys, especially when they're kind of on the outside looking into the league or they think their career is coming to an end, there's kind of like a, hint of like sadness or bitterness. And that was not Chris when we talked to him. He was like, you know what, guys, I felt like I had, I maybe had one more year in me, maybe I don't. A lot of town on these this team, a lot of really good young players. And so maybe the best I can do is push them to be their best every day at practice. But if that's what they want me to do, that's what I'm gonna do. That's who Chris Stewart is. Like there is no ego. There is no like self-importance to he is such a good guy, such a hockey guy, such a good hockey guy to have. And then you, you hear the stories about Nolan. And, and those are people who, from the inside, the peek behind the curtain, there are people who come up to us, reporters, and they, they say to us, tap, tap, you might want to ask Chris Stewart about this because this is a great story. Because they want us to share with everyone what a good person Chris Stewart is. And the PR team or the people in the locker room, Don't do that if it's not true. You know, they're not putting somebody on just to put them on. Especially Chris, who, you know, was with the team for a limited time, really, and we didn't see much of him after the early months in the season. And you would still hear things about, like, oh, yeah, Chris is doing this, Chris is doing that, because he's just a great guy. So I'm so happy for Chris because I really think he so badly wanted to be a part of this league. I think he loves being around teams. I think he loves contributing to teams and I'm also so happy for the Flyers because he is such a, such a great, great kind of voice to have, especially to kids who are battling their way in. He's been there, he's done it and he's done it with a great attitude. So I'm just, I'm so, truthfully, I'm so stoked for him, and I'm so stoked for the team, because he's just a guy, you sit down, and you talk to him, and you're like, I gotta go do something, I gotta, like, pick up some litter, and I gotta, you know, go try to sort some recycling, and, like, do some positive stuff in the world, (laughs) because, like, you just sit there, and you're like, wow, what a lump on a log I am, like, I'm just sitting here pouting, because, like, I don't know. Whatever didn't work out that day, or I have zit on my forehead. And Chris is like, "Yeah, you know, I might not make the league, but I'm gonna try, and I'm gonna try to have a positive impact on the way." I'm <laughs> like, "Oh no, my god, such a great yeah, I should be more like Chris.
1: So really, okay. like, that, I think that's why he's so perfect for this role. Like, you oh want head. young guys to look up to him and see him and deal with him. And Chuck Fletcher is—he's uh, all about collaboration and team orientation. He—he he likes to use. Uh, people he doesn't do things just himself um, he's very high on team orientation and gosh Chris Stewart is a team oriented person um, like you said when he got to the Flyers uh, he played 16 games here but kind of became a healthy scratch and was kind of in the shadows um, he could have sulked he could have said well yeah you know what that's that's it for me um, instead he embraces the team first mindset of course no surprise there and that's why he was I think that's why the Flyers were so attracted. To him to give him this chance because they knew hey if he doesn't play and had this great role he's still going to be about the team and of course he does um if
0: you click on his retirement tweet and you go through all the responses of all the guys he's played with that tells you everything you need to know about chris stewart it it is just uh, everyone who is just so happy and so excited for him and so proud of his career and he's just he's such a trooper i mean you just got to go, it, I don't like to read comments of like what people say on things. This is is generally like mean, hot garbage. And I sat there and I read through like every comment from every NHL player, because it was just like, Stewie, so happy for you, yeah. I'm so happy we got to play together for X amount of games. Like, it, he truthfully just seems like such a wonderful person who could have such a wonderful impact on people.
2: Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help.
1: Touching on player development, he will be obviously working with younger players, prospects, um, and it kind of had us thinking, um, looking ahead to next year, we know the Flyers are young, we know they have youth, and we know they have prospects on their way to the big club. Uh, They played 11 rookies in 2019-20, and uh, we'll expect the Flyers to also play rookies again next season. Uh, If we had to pick one prospect that we think could crack the roster at the beginning of next year, um, who would it be? Brooke Desher, what do you think?
2: So this is, it's really interesting when you go through some of the top prospects for the Flyers right now, because, I mean, there was a huge debate last year of, oh, is it going to be Farabee? Is it going to be Morgan Frost that kind of cracks the roster first? I always thought that it was going to be Farabee because he was just more mature and able to adapt to um, the professional game a little bit more, but it's going to be interesting. I feel like it might be a battle this year. I know the different positions, but between Frost and Isaac Radcliffe, um, he had a very underwhelming first year with the Phantoms, I think, uh Radcliffe. And that's not the kind of mentality that a player like him has ever had in his career. Um, he really likes taking charge, driving force. I mean, he's a huge guy that is able to just have great control of the puck. He takes charge every time he's on the ice. So I'm kind of hoping that he takes the fact that he had an underwhelming first year in pros. So I I feel like personally, I hope, I'm hoping for this. I don't really think that it's going to be as huge of a transition as we want it to be. Like, oh, one year he's very mediocre and then the next year it's like bam he cracks the roster. I hope though that it becomes a focal point going into training camp though where they're going to look at Radcliffe and be like oh my god he completely transformed and he's always had pretty decent camps whether it was um, development camp whether it was training camp with the Flyers he's always kind of stood out in very specific ways. I just really hope that going into this year, whenever it does happen, he kind of makes some noise and starts to build a name for himself in a case as to why he should be the next player on the roster. So I think the next toss-up, it could be him or Frost. And I think that'll be really interesting because people looked forward to Radcliffe's transition to the pros. So I feel like now might be the time to start to really get excited for the player that he is.
0: So the thing to me that stuck with me was that when Morgan got called up, obviously he had, he had produced in his first few games. Like it wasn't like he couldn't score. That being said, the games as a whole that I watched. And when you watch him away from the and times, or when it comes to like physical plays, it did still feel like both physically and maybe mentally a little bit. The, the NHL was a little bit too big for him still. Um, but he, he seemed that he will be capable. I would like to see him physically get stronger this year. I mean, Joel Farabee is small. Like Joel Farabee is small. It scares me he, that he likes to fight and that sometimes he'll like take these huge checks from much bigger guys because he is still quite slight because he is so young. But even as small as Joel is, Morgan is significantly smaller. At least I don't know weight wise. I'd have to actually look at the roster. But just looking at their build, I think physically it was a little too easy for him to get bodied off pucks at times. At times, it almost looked like he would shy away from physical contact. At and that's where we really like saw Joel stand out. Was Joel at times knew he was going to get hit and would keep going for the puck? Morgan seems a little tentative at times when it came to stuff like that. So I'd like to see him get a little bit more tenacious and physically bigger. Um, But I'll I'll never forget, we were on that West Coast, the disastrous West Coast road road swing after Christmas. And I believe it was the Anaheim game that Morgan got sent back down after having been up for sort of a sustained amount of time. And I saw Morgan after he got the news pregame, and he was sitting on a trainer's table and he was, I mean, he was pissed. He was mad at himself. He was super, super mad. And so I think now he's gotten that taste and he also knows to expect more of himself. Um, And I know they sent him down at times. I mean at a certain point because fly playing so well and he wasn't up, but at times they sent him down because we're like, we really want him to get like sustained first line time, get a ton of experience I would love to see him get physically bigger, get more confident, realize what he needs to do better within his game um, and come back up and play again, because you could tell he wasn't, he wasn't happy with what he put out. I think a lot of people kind of gassed him up after the first few games because he did have those quick spurred goals as soon as he got called up. Um, And then I think he kind of hit a wall and that was tough because I I mean, he's, he is so young still, and I don't know that he expected to really get called up like that for the amount of time that he was, and at one point, he was, like, playing with Claude Giroux, so <laughs> I don't think he really he anticipated that happening, um, but I would like to see Morgan come back up, but like I said, I, I would like to see Morgan and I would like to see Joel Farabee both get physically much bigger because... Sometimes, and maybe it's just because they're so much younger than me, and now I feel like an old lady, I'm scared for them on the ice. <laughs> because, like, like, you see a Victor Hedman, right? We were just talking about him. And you see a Joel Faraby or a Morgan Frost. And it's like, it's okay. Victor Hedman checking Morgan Frost into the boards is a terrifying thought. That's scary, yep. It's terrifying, <laughs> but that's the reality of the situation. So I'd like to see them both get bigger. And then this is a total aside, and I know this is a long ways off, I would also love, love to see Sam Moran get healthy and get a shot because you will not – you want to talk about Chris Stewart-like people. Sam Moran's not quite as inspiring as he is just a good kid, Mm -hmm. and he's had a rough go of it, and I don't know how everything will work out. I would love to see Sam Moran and get healthy and get a shot somewhere at some point in time. Who knows how it will work out. But that kid's a trooper. So, and I was there when we were up in Calgary and him and Nolan Patrick, all, all the health, or all the scratches, all the extras were standing together. You, you don't find a player with a better attitude who's been through more. So, that's not, that's not who I'm saying. I don't want to see get called up immediately. Just a, a guy I hope we don't forget about. So,
1: I like that. Samuel Moran. Yeah, seriously, such a good kid. Hardworking kids going through those two ACL tears out you pull for a guy like that and like you said cool. Karen such a good he's the
0: best attitude too yeah. best he's, attitude
1: such a fun loving kid like guy that like's never down he's just always happy and can um, I tell
0: a fun Sam Moran story I don't know if I told it before
1: just real quick and then I'll stop talking no go okay through. so why will be you on
0: so Sam Moran this is after the Calgary uh I went to do the I went to a cover practice, the morning skate, and then Sam Moran and I were going to do a little interview together um, because Sam is scared of heights, which is ironic because he's 6'6". And there's that catwalk that goes all the way across the roof of the arena in Calgary. And so we did that. And then Sam, myself, a PR guy, and I think Mike Yo all got an Uber back to the team hotel together and I was asking Sam about the biggest difference lifestyle wise between HL and NHL and his experience, because he's, he's been up and down and up and down and, you know, and we were talking about all kinds of things and he was saying, uh, (laughs) he was like, my favorite, I wish I could do a French Canadian accent because it's so funny when he does it, but, uh, he's like, um, one of my favorite parts of being called up are the team meals. And I was like, why? And he said in the AHL, it's, it's not great. Like it's kind of it's sandwiches or whatever they have. It's, you know, they try, but it's just not, they don't have NHL money. And he was like, in the NHL, they always have avocados. And I was just like, What? <laughs> and he goes, I love and he says, avocado. That's how he's and he was like, I love avocado. I love, and they always have avocado. And he's I was sitting there like, Oh my gosh. And me, and I think it was Mike Yo and Joe the flyers PR guy cannot stop laughing and the more we laugh the more sam is trying to explain why he loves avocados so much and it went on for like 15 minutes and i was like sam i gotta go like yeah and he's like okay i'm gonna go to a team meal and i was like are you gonna get avocado and he was like yes yeah, chicken and rice and he was so excited about just like having availability to avocados <laughs> and it was like and you said and you're like this is the kid like this is the kid you root for Cause it's just, he's so grateful for the simplest things. Like he, it's not lost on him to be in the NHL and what that means and how cool it is. It's really not lost on him at all. And the simplest things of like, you know, some people they get up and like my room's too small and they have this kind of water on the plane and I don't like that. And Sam's just like, oh my God, they have avocado and he's so (laughs) excited about it. So just the guy. I really hope that he, his attitude never changes. And I hope that we see him back at some point healthy and skating and, and doing well. So That's, that's the nice most stuff. wholesome, unexpected story hey, I man. think I've ever heard. Oh, um, yeah. I love it.
1: Now I'm always going to think of, uh, when, I, when I see Samuel Moran, I'm going to think of avocados. <laughs> yep.
2: yeah. Avocado. yep. It reminds Avocado. me of, do you know the vine of that little kid that unwraps the present and he's like,
0: it's an avocado. avocado. <laughs> yes. yes. That's a really great and uh, French Canadian.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, I love it. That's amazing.
0: That's
1: all I yeah. got. Let's hope we're seeing Samuel Moran, you know, playing games for the fandoms whenever that is and, and getting closer back to the Flyers. This kid deserves it. Uh, for me, I'll, I'll keep it uh, quick, but for me, a sleeper for me, I think would be um, Tanner Lezinski. Um Real polished, uh, four year college kid out of ohio state he 's turning pro this year he 's older because he was a four year college guy so he 's well groomed um, he 's twenty three years old he 's a center he was over a point per game four, in four years at ohio state and I could really see him quickly rising to the flyers if they need some help in their bottom six because he can play he he has a bottom six type of ceiling he can play penalty kill he can probably win you some face offs know the organization likes him and they don 't think he 's far away so I could see them kind of being in a similar spot maybe to start next season where this year they were kind of needing to figure out their bottom six. They needed bodies. They needed guys to come up and kind of show them something. I could see Tanner Leszczynski getting an early call-up if needed um, because he's not, you know, he, he has a pro game already. He's not a guy that's going to need a ton of development time in the AHL. So I'll go with Tanner Leszczynski, keep an eye on him. But regardless, fun to talk to you guys. Taryn Hatcher, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait to talk to you more over the off season. Uh, and thank you again, again, for coming on.
0: Yeah. Text me anytime, guys. I'm free. I have a lot of time. Just watch the train go by all day. So there we go.
1: Be. Always here. Perfect. We
0: love you for it. Yes. Man. Desher,
1: thank you so much. Uh,
0: yes, yes. Amazing.
1: There go. Brooke Descher, thank you as always. Uh, great talking to you. And we'll, we'll chat later this week. Um, but Flyers fans, this is the latest Flyers Talk podcast brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri-State Cadillac dealers. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.